Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm a co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. It's very competitive. It's so like what we have in South Africa, what I had in my age category when I was back home, I have a few people that can really compete with me, five mm. people. In the interlace, there's hundreds of people that can compete with you. So I think the competition is a large part of how I was, how I forced myself to get better. You know what I'm saying? And what be, what getting better is also you have the stuff to get better. I have a really good coach. There is no other, any other ulterior motor but to get me better. The, like I said, the only difference is, is competition and better coaching and uh, staying healthy and stay away from the roads if you while you're still very young. And I'm not saying road is bad. Road is great. I want to be a, I want to eventually run a half marathon and marathon, but there's a time for that. There's a time and place for that where you, right now I'm focusing on track and it's going to get me faster, making me even a better eventual marathoner. Nicola! Davide! How was your run this morning, boss man? Oh, my run was tough this morning. In in, in hindsight of uh, knowing that we're going to be speaking to Adrian Vilskut today. Vilskut. Vilskut. We got that name right at the start of the conversation. Um, we decided to include a bit of three-kilometer repeats in our long run today. We were inspired by Adrian's 3,000-meter times of 7.39. And Nick, what did we do? No, we were doing 11.30s, but, but, but we did but 26Ks. 26K Of running. At, at an elevation of uh, no, zero. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually quite nice having you back on the show, Dave. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we had Leah on, on the last podcast. I'm did sure you miss me, hey? I they did. say absence makes the heart grow fonder. It definitely so. grew fonder. I was, uh, it was quite nice to share the mic with you again today. <laughs> and uh, and share it, we did on a, on a really fantastic conversation with... One of one of South Africa's best athletes. One of South Africa's lesser known athletes, which is might come to a surprise, uh, you know, to you guys when you actually hear about Adrian's achievements, because you're going to say, why are we not making a bigger deal, you know, of this athlete? Um, Adrian currently holds the South African record for the three thousand, the five thousand, and the ten thousand meter. He, um, he's only 25 he's years 25 old. He's years old. He's currently in the United States of America. Training. USA. <laughs> USA. Training with the Hocker Naz elite team in Arizona, which is the same state as the Grand Canyon, quite high up, a lot of altitude. And yeah, he's just recently gone on to beat all of these South African records. Some of them were his own records already. And it's just, it was an incredible conversation. It was quite inspiring to chat to a young man who's got such a good head on him and knows exactly what he wants to do uh we got to chat to him about uh, the ncaa university system in the states how it's really designed to get the most out of the athletes but whilst at the same time making sure that the academic side isn't uh left by the wayside uh we speak to him about his experiences in the past at the commonwealth games at the world champs and 
he's also going to be representing South Africa at the next World Champs, which are happening where, Davey? In Budapest. When? On the 26th of August. It's yeah. going to be really fantastic. I'll be seeing him there. I'm going to be taking him a pack of Smarties, which you'll, which you'll hear all about. And which is what is really exciting is that he's also qualified for the Olympics yeah. at the 5,000 meter. He's going to be trying to crack the, the nod for the 10,000 meter, but they don't make it easy, guys. It's it's 27 flat yeah. to get into the Olympics. He's currently on, I think, 27, 23. So he has some work to do there. But I mean, this this guy just has an un, untapped you know amount of, of potential. Like Nick said, he's got such a head on him. You know, you'll hear him talk about the importance of academics. Uh, he's just completed his masters he really understands you know what his priorities are um but also he, doesn't forget where he's come from doesn't forget where he, he's where he's come from he's very fond of south africa obviously misses uh, his family here he does plan to come back quite often we we hopefully one one day we can get him back in on on home soil but right now he's busy doing some fantastic things in the states and as long as he's representing south africa on the world stage like he is he can just keep doing what he's doing yeah. so from my side i just want to say we hope you guys really enjoy the conversation it, re it really is an insightful one so sit back relax and enjoy because here is adrian wildskut hey guys we've got some thrilling news for you get pumped because the hollywood bets durban 10 kilometer race is happening on the 3rd of september right here in the heart of kzn it's gonna be epic. So picture yourself running alongside top-notch athletes, aiming for that personal best on a super fast route that's just perfect for crushing your 10 kilometer record. That's right. And to make it even better, you'll receive a high quality t-shirt with your entry, a stylish souvenir to remember this fantastic occasion. Seriously, it's going to be a blast. So whip out your calendars and make sure the 3rd of September is locked and loaded for the Hollywood Bets Durban 10km race. Trust me, Nick, you won't be disappointed. Entertainment and fun will be scattered along the route to keep the energy high. And we're going to paint that city purple together with Hollywood Athletics Club. And you've got to be there. Time's ticking, guys. Don't wait around. Head on over to racepass.com right now and secure a spot for this fantastic race. All right, let's make it happen. See you all there. Asikijime. Let's run together. Adrian, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time and we look forward to a nice conversation with you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. So let, let, let's, let's dive right in. So tell us a little bit about Adrian, I, I mean, we obviously we've seen you very recently hitting all the South African uh, records in terms of the 10,000, 5,000, 3,000, which has been hell of an impressive. But where where have you come from, man? Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, I was, I guess I was born in Seabrook, uh, Western Cape. I spent my entire time there. I went to high school, elementary school, uh, and I eventually enrolled at the University of Western Cape um, for my first year. And um, I got a scholarship from, from Zola Bhatt, uh, who was the head coach at Coastal Carolina at the time. And after my first year at the University of Western Cape, I transferred to the U.S. And I've, been, I've, I've completed my undergrad there in business. And um, 
which and I was still coached by Zola after at that point at least. And then I uh, after three years I transferred to Florida State University to uh, complete my master's degree. And um, in two years, and then I uh, end up going professional. Wow, brilliant, man! That's it's it's great to see how you how you've come along from obviously in series in in, in the Western Cape, uh, going through the st- uh, through the whole NCAA system. I think there's a lot of conversation to be had about that. But I just want to first of all start. Obviously, you were running through through high school and all of that. You're already a, a good competing level athlete at that at that time. Yes, um, I I, w- I mean I I would say not quite nationally competitive in the sense that I'm, I'll be a contender whenever I go to these SA championships, but I was definitely one of the best in my province. Um, I used to run in Boland and I, in my age category, I, I generally was the best in cross, especially cross country. Okay. Um, I was, yeah, I would probably say top three at least in my province for track, uh, road running as well. Um, that's during my high school years. I got a month, I got much better towards the end of my junior year. So, um, like I said, my last year in the Western Cape, I started becoming really competitive, at least nationally. And then that's probably where, and I mean, where Zola first saw me was at I, my last race, at, I believe, at Sunlam, Cape Town Sunlam 10K. I did the 10K as a junior. Um, and she saw me run there, and I think I ran like 29-something as a junior, and she wanted me to um, see if I wanted to move to the U.S. and further my education in uh, athletics as well. And, and was that a was that quite, I mean, obviously that's quite a big decision, you know, I mean, your family being in, in Cape Town or in South Africa, um, so moving across, you know, to America, was that was that something that made you nervous, or was it something that you know made you excited? Because um, did you know that it was going to like take your career to the next level? Well, at that point, I didn't really think about it athletically. For me, it was more academics. Um, and honestly, my brother went ahead. He was six months ahead of me. I, at least he moved to the US six months ahead of me. And so that make, made it a little easier knowing that, you know, I left somebody there that already knows the ins and outs at least for six months and it could it wouldn't be as hard for me. Um, but yeah, in the beginning it was mostly academically. I just wanted to make use my running to not have to pay for academics, yeah. essentially. So, and so and so that's what, what I intended in doing and I was I, I guess I was very happy making the decision because I have after graduating with an undergraduate and master's, I had zero student debt or any of that. So yeah, and I mean, uh, Nick was telling me this morning that your brother's also um, a pretty top-notch athlete. I believe he runs a, a, a what a, a fourteen. I don't. Uh, what what's what's his five k time? Well, um, I believe it's thirteen fifty-two. But I mean, yeah. yeah. Or oh, maybe maybe thirty. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's 13, 14, yeah, 13, but, but 45. So, but so he, he, can, like he can also run. <laughs> yeah, so you guys, you guys have got the gene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he introduced me to run. And you guys, were at, the, at that time, so still growing up, was, was running the main thing or were you playing other sports, like say soccer, uh, anything else? Well, first of all, academics was always first. Okay. Um, and this is how we were brought up. You know, my, my mom and dad never went to the university or so. They wanted to make sure that we will be settled, I guess, after uh, high school and be able to live a better life, I guess, or more privileged life, at least essentially. And um, 
yeah, that was first of all academics first, and then yeah, I played chess. I played chess for my high school. I played uh, cricket. I played uh, rugby. I played soccer. Yeah, and I my last few years I I played rugby, and then I made the decision to start running. Oh, brilliant! So, I, I mean, I mean, talking about um, education quickly. You you mentioned you you you're doing your masters, or you you've, you've done you, you've done your masters. I yeah, I graduated in I graduated last December. I mean, I mean, that's also pretty incredible, you know, to be to be such a flourishing athlete and um, you know going pro as well as you know competing your masters. Um, kudos to you because not not too many can uh, yeah, can, can balance that. I think it's yeah, it, 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 it speaks of the system that you that you've gotten into there duh, in in the states. Duh. It's it's quite an effective system, and it's an effective way for people to to you know continue and and further develop their athletic capacity, as well as being in in, in a, an environment that allows them to be able to carry out their academic stuff. So I'm sure that your 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 family is very very happy to have seen you get your masters, and obviously uh, your your progression in the sport has been pretty incredible. Obviously, there's there's still so much more uh, talent to to unlock and potential to to gain into, and that's where I sort of wanna wanna lead in. So when when you moved to the states, academics was still the main thing. And in terms of the the track and field side of things, were you more of a three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand? Because it's quite a wide range as well. In, in that, it's not you don't find a lot of people that can do the shorter stuff and the middle, more middle distance stuff at the same level that you do. Uh, yeah. Well, when I when I came to the US, it was still academics, um, and you know, and this is I'm not this is just how things were. But when I came from South Africa, I did a lot of road running, which made me injured a lot. I was always injured running road, although I was pretty good in the amount of times I was able to compete. Um, but once I got to the US, um, academics still priority, but now I have, it's only cross country and track and field. You don't do road at all. And so I was able to train longer before I get injured. And so I was minimizing my time, not running each time to a lesser amount of time. So um, within like two years, I was able to start running more consistently. And um, I, my main events was always been 5 to 10K. I always seem to be better at 10K. At least, yeah, I guess, performance-wise, I always seem to be better at 10K. But, you know, I was still pretty good in 5 and 3K, honestly. I, mm. 3K is probably the event I enjoy most, but 10K is the event I do better. And that's why I focus mainly on that. Honestly, I really started getting much better in the 3K, 5K, maybe in the last two years. Um, so I was able to cut because I recognized that for me, in order to run a fast 10k, I eventually would have to run past the 3k, 5k, and um, yeah, that's that's how it ended up happening. Yeah, look, it, it, I was just saying to Davey off air before coming on to you, those, those distances are just they're so tough because it's such a high intensity that you're having to maintain uh, throughout the run. You know, if you're going for a half marathon or marathon or ultra, it's a conservative effort that you're holding for a prolonged period of time. But anything up to a 10K, you literally are going it's as hard as you can for, for that specific amount of time. So it takes obviously a massive cardiovascular engine. 
it also takes a hell of a lot of mental strength. And I want to sort of get an idea of when you did move and, uh, and, and moved to the States, Northern Carolina, and started working under Zolabad, what was sort of the mentality there when it came to the actual type of training that you were doing? Obviously, you were doing a lot of road, you moved more into the track field and, and cross country, as you say, but how did that training methodology develop? You know, were you doing a lot of high intensity threshold work? Were you doing a lot of just base building at the time or was it sort of a mix of all? Yeah, I think, you know, it, and especially the first three years, I guess, um, it was really difficult because we had to find a way to do a lot of different types of work, including thresholds and, and speed work uh, on the grass, cross-country training, uh, tempos, long runs. Uh, but in the, I guess, in the framework of still still being healthy because it was still the uh, priority because they believe here yeah, you can run if you're not healthy. So we try and get you healthy first and then able to run. So honestly, I um I think Zola did a great job in, you know, managing those two where I am able to train at a certain level, but also not too hard so that I get into the game, but mm-hmm. also still being at least competitive. Um, but in reality, I really started Blossom when I went to Florida State because mm. um, I was more healthy. For the, I did three years of getting healthy, and then I started getting very consistent training with a high-level coach as well. With Florida State, is way more resources than the school I went to uh, initially, just because it's bigger and it's a state school, and uh, there's way more funding. Uh, obviously, you moved to Florida State uh, at the time, once you'd been in that system for a while, you managed to sort of settle your body down and settle into that rhythm of being in the state. But also it was an interesting time of life because it was through COVID. Am I correct? Um, 20, yeah, I graduated in 22. Yeah, it was during COVID. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing about Florida in, in, in South Carolina, it's very humid. So it's still, I guess, it's not quite like altitude, but it's still, you have to train. It feels harder to do a specific type of workout. Um, but yeah, it's sea level uh, for the most part, um, Florida in South Carolina, sea level is on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. And and then, so obviously when it was COVID times, did you find that you had a little bit more time to to focus on, on your training and a little bit, perhaps a little bit less on the academic side of things? Or were you still sort of pushing the academic side of things quite a lot? I, I mean, I'm, at what stage did you actually realize that wait, I can actually do this thing as a, as a professional runner because uh, there must be a point in your, in your running career where, yes, your academics, your academics yeah. is so important, but your times are telling you something that you know it's, it's a possibility. So when, when did that happen? Well, they all happened in Florida State for the moment. But I'm, I'm not saying what I did at Coast of Carolina or what Zola was ir- ir- irrelevant. It, must be, ah, it was sure. a development phase for me. But where I really started doing really well running-wise was within my first six months at Florida State. And like I said, everything changes, my coaching, a lot of other factors changes, changed at least. And um, academics is always going to be number one. Like even if I do well, I'm going to finish, like I literally signed pro while I was still in school, yeah. meaning I can't compete in the NCAA anymore. Um, so for that six-month period, while before I graduated, I was already signed pro with my pro team meaning for that six months, I didn't run in the NCAA anymore. So it um, doesn't matter what's going to happen. I, will, I was always going to finish my academics. But then at the same time, within about eight to 10 months, after I stayed, based on my times, I realized I can probably go pro. And my coach was like, 
he's been coached my kid at point coach Bob Raymond he's like been coaching okay. for 35 yeah. years something mm. and so he was he told me right off like if you can keep on this you will definitely go pro and, and then talking about you know going going pro you you've um, you signed with the uh, hooker um and and yeah. you joined the the Naz elite team is that correct yes that is correct and the experience with that team i mean i mean has it been you know challenging um or you know is it something that's pushing you i mean obviously looking at your times um it's it's working out quite well i don't know if we want to touch on those times yet or if ah. we leave the listeners we'll leave the listeners a little bit. we'll build up to we'll, it we'll, we'll build we're going to keep building up but but yeah how's your experience been with the with the nazali team since you signed pro well um we are a pretty big team honestly and it ranges from 1500 all the way to marathon um i think we were about like 18 or 20 people and um it was more of adaptation to elevation than the people so it was that was more my the struggle i had in the beginning was more the elevation mm-hmm. than the people so and they are obviously like this a lot of support because you're professional you're not an amateur anymore so they will do the absolute best make sure it's comfortable and getting the right treatments and stuff and make sure that you are doing the right things to adapt to the elevation better, uh, try and sleep, try and force yourself to sleep better and eat well and hydrate, hydrate well and all those little things. But at the same time, you know, making sure that you still get your decent amount of training in so that you can keep on progressing. Yeah, so I mean... But yeah, the team overall, the team overall is, is really good, yeah. And and being a part of the the NAS team, obviously that's Northern Arizona. We we're talking Arizona, and for South African yep. listeners, perhaps a, an easy way to sort of picture Arizona is picturing the Grand Canyon, because I I believe that's Grand Canyon is in Arizona. So it's like your deserty type uh, environment, quite high up, two thousand plus meters above sea level. So that's the elevation that you say you're struggling, well, that you struggled with in the beginning. But obviously, then that that. started off as a struggle but then became one of your your biggest sort of uh empowerments to improving your your performances I'm sure uh and now sort of where you're at we we've seen these incredible performances over the last couple of months perhaps you can start moving on to those but before then you obviously also represented South Africa at the Commonwealth Games uh last year am I correct in that yeah um and just before we go to that um yeah um grand canyon is about 90 minutes away from here you know and i would definitely say elevation training is helped me a lot in getting better but at the same time i get i i got so much support you know i got better i i i don't want to use the word better because it's kind of patronizing to the people that already helped me come to where I was um but it's more specific training because it's professional level now like this is this is people this is their job to yeah. coach you so they would put any everything into make you try and get you better um you get four massages a month you get all these like chiropractic appointments and all those things to make sure that you are healthy and ready to run um so all of those things what the elevation or what my hard work of course made me started running a little bit faster But yeah, representing Commonwealth Games uh, last year, I was still a Florida State at that point. So yes, and yeah. So before we get onto that, obviously, it's not to say that 
anything that you've done in the past is irrelevant and only what you're doing now is yeah. important. I think, you know, it's, we all know, stepping stones. we know as runners, it is like Davey says, it's all stepping stones and everything that you've done has allowed you to become what you are today. So we, we totally get what you're saying in terms of, you know, you don't want to say that it's better, but it, it is a big factor. And I think it's something that we will relate to in terms of professional athletes in South Africa versus being a professional athlete in the state. And uh, yeah. I, I definitely want to chat about that a little bit later on. But since we mentioned the Commonwealth Games, I mean, how was that experience for you? You, ca you, you came fifth. What was your time there? Well, um, I think it was probably my second. No, it's probably, it was my, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I did, it, I was fifth and I went, 2741 I believe yeah um, it was a weird race because I actually wanted to run the South African record there already but um, it was just a weird race and it just ended up being like um, more competitive where you're trying to get positions and I understood that and I had to adapt and make sure that I compete well and I was I ended up being first so uh huh. And uh, how was the Commonwealth experience? Like, obviously, you know, it's not quite like going to the Olympics, which obviously will, you've run yeah. a qualifier for the Olympics now. But uh, how was it knowing that you were going to be attending the Commonwealth Games? That must have been a big. Well, that was, that, yeah, that was, that was probably. And even before before the Commonwealth Games, I went to World Games as well. But um, the Commonwealth Games was probably my best experience so far running, running related. It's just because. Oh, there were so many people. There's literally like fifty thousand people in the stadium just buzzing mm. the entire twenty-five laps. Um, and you know, it was such an unreal experience. It felt like I was in a rugby game, all <laughs> decks and spring box, honestly. And it was like so you. noisy and yeah, like everybody. But yeah, in I mean, it was in England, uh, in Birmingham, yes, uh, in the UK, and there was a guy that like right off from the start, he went off, and he was from England. I think his name is Sam Atkins or something. And so they were very excited about this like English guy running at the front for the first weekend. So they were just buzzing all around. But it was it was such a, an amazing experience. Honestly, I, I I definitely think it's one of my more fun fun moments yeah. to be honest. So, uh, but I have to ask because I mean we we just Nick and I we're very passionate runners. We love running. You know, we we've touched on this before. A lot of well, some you know elite level athletes. You know, running is their job, but may not necessarily be their their passion. Uh, for you, you know, right. do, do you love running? Um, obviously, you've mentioned, you know, studying is very important to you, and academics is very important. And is is running something that you, you're fortunate enough to be really good at, or is running something that you know you get up in the morning and you absolutely love to do, and you're just you know really enjoying this journey, or do you see it as more of a job? Well, in, yeah, I mean, I guess there's two factors, and I was going to say it's a little bit different now that you finish your job because it puts a little more press on everything you do because you got to be very specific, and it's not about just going outside and going for nice and easy run and feel pretty good about it, but it's about getting the certain amount of mileage, getting at a certain pace, making sure your body recover, making sure that you run, let's say, flat or on hills yeah. or... So like it's it's very it's a lot of different aspects of that that you have to um, take in consideration whenever you do it. But however, the first thing the first time I started running and this is my very first practice, and we just did an out and back up the mountain in series. And so we would run twenty we would run uh, twenty minutes out and back and see how far you turn. So each week we would we would come back to the same spot once once a week, and you would try and go for twenty minutes further 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 each week. 
And so that was really exciting to me. And so I del- developed a deep passion for that. Pushing myself, being competitive, and seeing my improve, individual improvement, not like rugby, where I can get better, but my team is still like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's mm. so individual. You can see your progress and you can come back each week and see where you can get better at. And um, I think um, I'm definitely passionate about running, but um, there's an aspect of about it that is my job now. So I got to take it more serious than what I otherwise would have. But you mentioned their individual, you know, and yes, it is fantastic because obviously you got your individual goals, your individual times, but, you know, the team that you surround yourself with make, makes a big difference in the way that you train. And in building up to that, obviously moving into, into the NAS Elite team at the, at, in spring this year um, and then being able to run the times that you, that you have recently run. So if I just, if I just quote them, there was a, a 13.02. Oh, 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 are, we go, are we going? We've got, to, we've got to half this up now here. Come on. You want to half it up? We've got to half this up. So all of these are South African national <laughs> records, right? And you literally ran them am i correct in saying that you ran them in the space of two months yeah i would probably have to say okay. two, two months um, i ran the first one in may so may 7th so and between may 7th and i believe uh july 22nd okay so so nick and i did so nick and i did some 3000 meter repeats this morning <laughs> guys um nick and i did a long run a, a longish run 26 k's five times three kilometer on so 3000 meters right how long did it take us to do 3,000 meters? We were averaging about 11 and a half minutes. Okay, we, we had lots of hills, okay? Now, hills. tell the listeners, Adrian's 3,000 meter record. Adrian was about four minutes faster than us <laughs> over 3,000 meter. He ran a 7.39 over 3,000 meters. Uh, and that was your most recent one that, that, you have, that you have gotten. But and prior to that, you ran a 13.02 5,000. That is just... That is and just... at 27, 23, 10,000. I mentioned that to my wife yesterday and she was like, I'll be stoked to run that for a 5,000. That, so, that 5,000 <laughs> meter blows my mind. You are, you are two seconds away or three seconds away from breaking 13 minutes, which is, I mean... That's a pretty exciting number, hey? <laughs> to do that in such a short space of time, you must feel like you're going, you're definitely going in the right direction uh, since, since moving to, to NAS. Yeah, so, I mean, I did run 1309 in college, uh, but that was, that was indoors uh, for Florida. I, I used to, for, for Florida State, um, there was last year in Boston. So I ran 13.09, but um, it's a fast track, so I, I didn't really know where I was at. I couldn't gauge exactly what they do transfer to outdoors, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, I just didn't know. But yeah, 1302, we I, we knew that I I moved here in March and um, I had six weeks before the 10K. I had six weeks before the 10K. So in that time, I was fit. I was very fit because I was in South Africa and I trained uh, in Stellenbosch for about two months. And then I came here, but then I had to adapt to the elevation. So I was very fit. But then I had to make the adaptation within six weeks because my first race would be in six weeks after I came here. And um, that was the 10K. And so training looked, training looked good. I just I was just always tired. My legs was heavy. I felt like I was overtrained with the uh, elevation. Uh, but as soon as I went down, like on the starting line, as soon as I started running, it was like, what happened? Like mm. my legs were so good. Way better than what I thought it was going to be. And so... Um, I, and I mean, I just wanted to run the South African record. So that was my idea going there. The pacing was for that as well. The pacing was for 27.30. So 
So that's uh, 66 per lap for 25 laps. Mm. And so um, that's what I that's what I came for. They had the light spacing lights and everything for that. Uh, because I think I was like the fastest guy in the field. So they wanted to make sure that I, I get the pacing to what I was requesting in the a rest cool of the field. Yeah. And, and so... Um, and so we had like a few paces. They paced us to 4K. And then after that, my team and I ran together for another 2K. And then we started trailing off. But um, I was running my, maybe the last 3K all by myself. But I did have the lights, the pacing lights. So I could just follow that. Okay. Um, yeah. And But then after I returned from that, I would have another eight-week build in elevation. And in that eight weeks after my 10K, I was already very fit. Like I said, in South Africa, I turned over two months. Very fit. Came here for six weeks, training elevation. Felt really bad, but I was foot. It's just a new adaptation to 7,000 feet elevation, which is over 2,000 meters. And then I came back put, uh, after the 10K, took a down week, and then started an eight-week block for that 5K and 3K I just did. So, and based on my workouts I did, I did in training, we knew I was going to run that far, so. And then, obviously, after that 5,000, you went on for the, the 3,000. How did your training develop there? What, how much time was there between the 5,000 and the 3,000? Um, I, I believe it was like four or five days. Four, oh, five, okay. Yeah, about okay. four or five days. So, so you don't, you don't. I mean, you don't really train in that yeah. time. Because, like I said, if you had, if you had an eight-week block build before that two races, sure. like, you could literally not do anything. You could just jog after that five game, you'll be fine. <laughs> And, and to, to, in terms of that block that you're talking about, so obviously you were training in Stellenbosch, moved across, had that six-week training for the 10K at altitude. Then you had the eight-week training for the 5,000 and 3,000. What, what is the major difference between training for 10,000 versus training for 3,000 and 5,000? How, how does your training change or differ? Well, uh, to be honest, I, I never really specifically trained for the 3K. The 3K was honestly always going to be to help me run fast in the, in the 5K and 10K. However, for the 5K, I, my training for the most part, my threshold work, my tempo stuff was for the most part the same. But like maybe, yeah, we incorporate more like very specific speed workouts for the 5K. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so yeah, 10K, I, I would do a lot of like volume and tempos and thresholds. And I mean, obviously in a very specific way, you can't run too fast. And just high of elevations, you've got to be very smart about how you run. And sometimes we would even move down. And this is where I really do specific workout for the 5Ks when we would move down to, it's called Cotton Hood. It's like 45 minutes away from here. And it's like, it's like Port of Shore. So it's 3,500 feet, 3,500 feet, 4,000 feet. So it, um, it's about, I believe, 1,500, 600 meters or something. Mm. So it's it's way less than... than uh, at least half almost of what flex up is and you can get really fast speed workouts mm -hmm. down there it's not quite sea level obviously sure but works. you could still definitely you could still definitely go way faster than flex up so that's what i that's what we did for specific training for the 5k that's amazing man honestly i think uh, it, it's it just speaks to the level of conditioning that yeah. you were in to be able to go and hit those times and i think you know as I mentioned, it, it's it's hard to have that range between the the distances. How how's your shorter stuff? How's your miles and that? I mean, what what times are you hitting on your miles? Um, do, do you mean mile repeat? Yeah, I oh, if you do a mile repeat, or if yeah. you had to race a mile. I've I've never done a mile of fifteen hundred really. Um, so that's gonna be. I think maybe I'll do try start doing fifteen hundred miles, just more for preparation for the five k and stuff. But 
I, I don't think I'm, I'll be running really fast. I mean, I, I've never been on the faster side. Like, I'm not going to run 233 or something. No. My aim would probably be to run like 337. Um, okay. So it's about 357, 56 miles, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so they will probably be my goal, but I mean, I'm not specifically training for that. But up here, it's difficult to gauge just because, like I said, it's 7,000 feet elevation. So I could literally run up here for 34 mile one, one of my mile repeats. But then I run for 15. In a place like mm. Stellenbosch, for example, which is sea level. But um, I, this morning, I did a, I did a 10K field to make work and I did five times a mile. Uh, 7,000 feet elevation, but I average probably about 425 sure. on my mile. And so that you, since you mentioned today's session, like what, what does a normal training week look like for you, say, in one of those building weeks towards your 10K? Uh, do you work on a, on a seven-day week? Do you work on a 10-day week? How, how, does, how does your training actually work, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I believe generally what we do, you t- we go all the way to the race, and work it backwards. So, um, you know, you run, let's say, I don't know, August 1st or whatever, you would work from August 1st all the way back from your starting block, let's say it's May, for example. Then you would see how many weeks you have and you would bug each week up on each other and then towards the race, you're getting shorter and faster. Okay, so... so uh, yeah, that's generally how you would do it. And, uh, and just in terms of, you know, what kind of distance, you know, for... Because obviously, I mean... We've chatted to ultra and marathon runners, marathon runners, and now obviously you're specializing in the shorter distances. Um, typically, you know, in kilometers, what's what's your weekly distance? Well, I guess it varies, but consistently I would say about 90 miles, which is about, I don't know, 145 kilometers a week. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's crazy, hey, because 145 Ks, you know, yeah. when, you're, yeah. when you're specializing in, you know, 5,000, 10,000, it's not that you're running far, yeah. but you're doing a lot of running, which is... Because what is the longest workout you get done? Well, this is probably my long run. Um, the longest I've run is 18 miles, which is about okay. 30Ks, 29, 30Ks. And Nick, and Nick and I often have arguments about um, about easy run paces. So just out of curiosity, if you go out for an easy run, which I'm sure you do, a recovery run, what, what, what pace are you running at your recovery run? <laughs> well... And that's the difficult part. And like I said, I've learned a lot over the years. And I used to run it pretty pacey, which wasn't smart at all. Now that I know better, I guess. But in hindsight, you know. Um, but now it's more about feeling. Like one day I could run, let's say, I let me say this. I never really go faster than four minutes per K up here right now. I'll rather, I'll rather go longer. And um, for this four minutes per K, but then like I said, I would sometimes run 420 based on how I feel. Let's say today I had a view to max in the morning um, and then in the afternoon I had an easy five-mile run. So I went really easy. So like 420 pace per K just to make sure that I recover. Thank you. Th- thank you, Adrian, <laughs> for, 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 for confirming this. I see Davey's because eyes I o- Because on. I also run my easy runs at 420, <laughs> but I don't run uh, a 13.025K. So maybe I need to readjust. Yeah, you're about 10 minutes off of yeah. the 10K time. So, yeah, and I think that, and that's the thing too. Sometimes, and that's what I used to do. I think the way I run my easy runs is gonna make me faster, which is not the case necessarily. Um, but what makes you fast is the build up on workouts, long runs, and um, recovery, which I use my easy runs for. 
And how many quality sessions are you getting in? So in terms of like a normal week, again, I know it's hard because your weeks differ, but in general, are you doing yeah. quite a lot of threshold work, quite a lot of high intensity work? And is there a certain amount that you feel like if I do more than that in a week, it's going to start to affect me negatively? Yeah. So my long runs, I, 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 long runs is one of my, let me just say, long runs generally is one of my, my runs where I, make it a little bit more of a, of a moderate effort instead of easy so, but also not instead of like very hard like a actual workout so I would do let's say 16, 17 miles 25, 27Ks and I would run anywhere from between 350 per K all the way down to like let's say 330 per K so it just varies but then yeah that, and that's generally a pretty decent effort for especially like I said with the elevation up here and it's a lot of, a lot of hills around here as well so that would be a decent effort and I would get a, a recovery day after that before I do a workout again. And so I would have uh, a workout on Tuesday and I would have one on Friday. So I guess, okay. yeah, that's how we separate it. Um, we would do a lot of tempos, especially during the build up, the early weeks of a block, I guess. And then we would start incorporating as the weeks goes on more speed work and but still try and keep the, the, the threshold stuff up, up there. And you're not doing too much of back-to-back thresholds, so say on, on the same day or in multiple days, you're always sort of having a rest, a recovery day in between your tempos or thresholds, or do you go through blocks where you do try and overcompensate your training? Nick, Nick likes doing things called a super block. Where so every now and then, <laughs> every now and then. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's probably one of the things that has been helping a lot too. Um, but First of all, for anybody that's listening, this is a very important thing if you're trying to get better. You've got to be very careful about how you... And you've got to have a coach that's experienced with this type of stuff. Um, otherwise, you will, first of all, you'll get a lot of injuries and you will overtrain. So you got to make sure that you... But I do do uh, a double threshold. So I'll do a, a threshold uh, in the morning and one in the afternoon. But like I said, it's not all the time. It's just really... Like I said, and that's the one about these professional coaches that they sit and work these things out well ahead of time and they were mm-hmm. Olympians themselves so they know exactly how to go about these things so um, yeah we do double thresholds I did one on Tuesday and uh, today I had a view to make only one and so um, you see even that just in that little instance like both for thresholds on Tuesday Today I have one workout, but it's a view to max, meaning I can do an easy run to, uh, in the morning. And I'll also make sure I recover tomorrow, tomorrow with weights as well. So, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't, if you don't have any experience in this type of stuff, I would probably not recommend it because I've never used to do it and I was still able to get better. Yeah, um, sure. But if you, like I said, if, if you talk to somebody that has been, who's been doing this for a while, I think it would be a good idea just because it could definitely make you fatigued and you will always be fatigued if you um, don't recover well and you don't incorporate it correctly mm-hmm. it, it, that's that's the same thing that, that it's still being told to me like my coach still tell me like if you don't run these spaces specifically it's gonna make you or it can make you peak before your race even started mm. so I mean so. we're obviously talking about like a very high level team that you've got surrounding you with you know you know high class facilities with the training and everything but I want to know: Do you guys do any any forms of lactate testing uh, during your training? Uh, my coach had it uh, had it with him. Um, I think we haven't done it as much uh, the past few months, um, but I think we will definitely incorporate it more uh, moving forward now. 
But we have the stuff. We have the stuff. Yes. Uh, and Nick, for our listeners, I mean, g- give us your, you know, your touch on lactate testing. Oh, obviously, if if you've got uh, accessibility to the facilities and being able to do testing on the go to understand exactly where your thresholds are, there's a lot of athletes, uh, obviously, uh, especially the guys, the Scandinavian followers, uh, the Ingebrigtsen brothers are very good at this, but they they obviously testing on the go as they're training to actually see what their lactate does. And uh, the, the thought behind it is sort of trying to really hit those pace zones very specifically. And it just makes your training a hell of a lot more specific so I'm, sh- I'm sure that obviously being part of the team that is one of the elements there's going to be other elements that are just as important like your nutrition uh your recovery your sleep uh you know there's a whole lot of other things i have to say though personally me i haven't used it yet okay. um we were gonna use it uh we we're gonna use it but then we just i don't know we had a coach um that actually just moved on from the team uh, he was gonna use it with us one day, and we just forgot about it. I think. But um, but we we have the we have the stuff. And I mean, honestly, like if you just listen to you, if, if I know I run let's say thirteen ten for five k, like I kind of know where my threshold is. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. So you know, like you're not gonna push. It's like, and that's the thing about altitude. It's so difficult sometimes. It's you really can't push too much. You just gotta make sure, unless it's a view to make like this morning where you can go until you legs feels like it want to fall off. But then other days, there's very specific training where you've got to stick to the paces and make sure they yeah. keep the paces and not going too fast. And I have a tendency of going fast in the night what I should, but I'm still working on it. <laughs> well, I think what you're mentioning there is also that is so crucial is obviously just knowing your body and listening to your body. And I, I mean, I looked at some of those photos of you uh, running those races and the, the, one of the Ingebrigtsen's brothers was behind you. So it doesn't matter really. I think you, you, what, what you're doing is absolutely fine, bro. Um, I, I just want to move on from that. So obviously now coming up in your training, uh, I'm assuming you are going to be attending the World Champs in Budapest? Yeah. I'll do the 10K there. Yeah. The 10K there. And then obviously you've got the Olympics in Paris as well next year. Uh, let's start off with the world champs. Obviously right now you're in the middle of your training for that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, I After I came back from Europe, uh, I basically just had two weeks. But like I said, I've done a lot of work before even that. So it's not like those work goes to waste. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, getting back at tempo work again and trying to build the engine again and make sure that I stay where I was at. And so, yeah, I uh, right now I'm training for the 10K. The ten, yeah. Okay, so you're training for the 10,000 meter um, at Budapest, which is, um, I mean, it's going yeah. to be really exciting. Uh, do you have a Do you have a time in mind? For this one, I don't. I don't really have a time in mind. Um, I just gonna go compete. Um, so and uh, place well. Uh, I because I do have a, a race like two weeks after. I'll stay in Switzerland and do a 10K in Brussels, timely. And that's where I want to try and run fast. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself here about projecting times and stuff. But yeah, I try to run pretty fast there and for the thinking. Because I want to ask, obviously now, and and that's that's the difference between the longer distance races and the shorter distances around the track. You obviously, the the time that you're going to run is heavily dependent on the pace of the group you know the pace that the group sets yeah. so there might be athletes within that group that are pushing harder than what they should and they eventually fall off there's guys that are quite happy with a slower pace and being able to kick off at the end there's guys that want to lead from the front and be able to to break down the guys what what type of guy are you when it comes to a, <laughs> Great a, 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 a race question. strategy 
uh, well, uh, in, especially when you come to these type of races, these high, I guess, high level races, like World Champs, it doesn't really matter because there's no places. You don't really worry about time. You're just trying to place well. But then you go to a race where you're trying to run the Olympic standards in a 10K, where you would have specific people placing you for at least 4 or 5K. And then you just hit each lap. It's more cons- a consistent battle. You just run a certain place each lap for 25 laps. And maybe, you know, you can spare a few seconds, the last few laps, and pick it up a little bit. But I used to be the guy that, and I mean, I still prefer to be running hard from the start and just keep it honest from the start and just keep the pace and run fast. Um, now, with the, like I said, with the new specific training and stuff that we are doing right now, I work a lot on my closing now, just because that's how big events are raced these days. So I've done, uh, even in my 3K that I ran, I closed my last 1K to 27 or something. So uh, that helps me a lot now with my like I said, specific training for this type of stuff to make sure that yeah. I can, if it goes out the heart, I might, I have enough endurance to run that type of race, but also if it goes out a little slow and pick it up to the end. That's just, it's honestly amazing. Adrian, I have to ask you, are you feeling a bit homesick? Am I doing what? Are you, are you feeling homesick at all? Uh, I, so, and that's the thing though, like I don't, I mean, I don't have friends like that back home anymore. But just because I've been here for so long, mm. and like I still have like my fifty friends, few friends here and there, but we are not close. So it's not like I'm longing to be back home, but I do miss my family for sure. Um, and now that I'm running professional and don't have school anymore, I can go at least twice a year home and for a longer period. So like in December, I'll probably see if I can go like I don't know five, six weeks, and then like in September, I'm going for five weeks. Sure. So the reason why I'm asking, I'm also going to be coming to Budapest, not to obviously compete. I'm coming to watch you guys yeah. and support you guys. So is there anything you miss about South Africa, like a botong or a cook sister? <laughs> I will bring it for you and I will deliver it to you <laughs> at the race. You do, you just let me know. What, uh, whatever, whatever you got a hankering for, some tennis biscuits, something like that. I'm your guy, but we'll, we'll, ch- we'll yeah, chat sure. about that. Um, you got me. Moving on from World Champs in Budapest, where Davey's going to be doing his own 10K. but it's Yes, a, a, I'm also doing a 10K. How's but, that? Eh? Well, but well, uh, outside well, of the stadium. <laughs> we'll see if you can run it in uh, a, a, a PB time as well. But now moving on to obviously next year, 2024, the Olympic Games in Paris. Uh, running running that time, that 20, that 27, 23 that you ran, uh, obviously is, is an Olympic standard qualifier. So you are going to be going to the Olympic Games next year. Um, how, how does so that just feel? To, just to, just to, uh, um, the 10K is not quite a Olympic qualifier, I think, I believe. And that's what I'm trying to do in the race in Brussels uh, after the World Champs, trying to qualify for the 10K. But I did qualify for the Olympics in the 5K. So shame because if you're the qualifying it. standard for the. What's, what is the qualifying standard? For the. 1305. For no, for the 10,000. 1305 flat. It's 27 flat. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. And they're making yeah. that one tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's 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 really hard. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't even know. <laughs> but you but you're going for the five thousand. How does that? Yeah, feel? So I qualify for the five. You know, you're going to the Olympics. You're obviously going to prioritize that for for next year. Uh, when you ran that time and you knew that that was the time that you needed to get, how did that make you feel? And how excited are you to be representing South Africa at the Olympics next year? Well, I, I, first of all, it's obviously very exciting, but um, 
it's it's a lot of hard work and we knew before the race like I'm going there to run so we intended to run the, the world standard which is like two seconds slower than the Olympic standard so we were just wanted to run 13.07 and then close hard so that we can if I, if I, if I feel good I can make the Olympic team and break the South African record or run the Olympic qualifier and so um we were able to do that. Um, race was very inconsistent, but like I said, we luckily we trained really well, so I was very strong over the last over the last three k. But it's very exciting to, and that's why like my entire way of running or my 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 schedule changes completely after that race. It's just because now I don't even do the five k anymore because you know I've done I've qualified for the five k. I can put it a little out over there and focus on the ten k and make sure that I can maybe qualify for that as well and then double up in, in the, the Olympics because I know I, I think I have a lot of potential in both events. Mm. So, so I mean, this this question might be a bit complex, but um, obviously, I mean, you came from South Africa, you obviously made your way to the to the States. So you've dealt with ASA and now you've de- you're dealing with the NCAA. Oh, well, he, he did deal with you the You dealt NCAA. with the NCAA. And I think what Nick and I were discussing, you know, beforehand off air is... I mean, do, do you think, in your opinion, you know, being a South African runner and dealing with the ASA is, you know, you, you're, on a, you're on the back foot compared to having, you know, a system like the NCAA who maybe can get the best out of other athletes? And what has been your experience? Obviously, you dealt with ASA when you were in South Africa and now you've, you've dealt with NCAA. Do you think that plays a role in the in the you know level of athletes that South Africa produces who stay in South Africa, um, yeah, just maybe if you can touch on that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's, uh, I would agree with you. It's pretty complex, just in the sense that um, there's so many different variables. Like I could sit here and say, well, NCAA is amazing and it's way better, and it's. But then also people like me, they grew up in you know a small town. They didn't have a lot going on. Um, these little races that I did helped me a lot financially as well. Um, road running specifically. And so, and if I say NCAA is probably better, it's probably because they don't do road racing. It, and that is very important for when you try and develop somebody that want to run fast on the track and cross country. I would rather if you run cross country than road and focus on track uh, as a young athlete. And because, in that, because right now I can do, go run on the road and do pretty well like you know what I'm saying but it, you can't do the other way around I can be great on the road but I can't do necessarily well on the track so um, especially at, at a high, very high level I'm not talking about like provincial or anything like that but the development in the NCAA it's they invest way more money first of all in, in the sport itself you know and I don't want to say this but it, it's really true especially if you go to the right school coaching seems to be better yeah for sure um, coaching seems to be better, but you have to go to the right school because there's a lot of South Africans that came over here and just didn't do well at all. Mm. And that was one of the warnings for me before I came here. It's like, um, don't go there because, you know, there's so many other people that was very good and turned out terrible. Sure. And then, but uh, the, the other, on the other hand, you know, um, Dominic Scott, she went to Arkansas yeah. and um, she turned out great. And so, and I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, it was one of the risks I'm willing to take in. You know, it was difficult the first few years, but, you know, it turned out very good. And like I said, it's very competitive. It's so, like, what we have in South Africa, what I had in my age category when I was back home, I have a few people that can really compete with me, five mm. people. 
in the NCAAs, there's hundreds of people that can compete with you. But and there's many people. That, so I think the competition is a large part of how I was, how I forced myself to get better. You know what I'm saying? And what be, what getting better is also you have the stuff to get better. I have a really good coach. There is no other, any other ulterior motor but to get me better because at the end of the day, it's helping him keeping his job. Sure. So he's only there to help me and making me faster. But then there's physios, there's, you know, you don't have these basic needs like shoes that you don't have. Or, so those stuff are covered. So in the internet, it's one thing about it. But I was telling my friends one time, it's like, you know, because sometimes they want to make it seem that it's easier over here. But I would heavily disagree with that just because, you know, I could go to UWC and I still have physios. There's a gym, there's physios, there's, you get shoes from the university. Um, like these, like, that's the, those are the basic needs of an athlete. And that's the, those were exactly the things that I got from Florida State, which is a huge school. Um, the, like I said, the only difference is, is competition and better coaching and uh, staying healthy and stay away from the roads if you while you're still very young. And I'm not saying road is bad. Road is great. I want to be a, I want to eventually run a half marathon and marathon, but oh, there's a time for that. There's a time and place for that where you, Right now, I'm focusing on track, and it's going to get me faster and making me even a better eventual marathoner. Mm. So perhaps we can, we, we're looking at some future 21K and 42K South African records as well here because obviously you've got, you've got the pace and you've got the legs to do the work aerobically as well. And a lot of, a lot of these great marathon runners and, uh, and ultra runners eventually as well start with a good track background. So uh, I'm sure that that's something that uh, eventually might be on the cards for you sitting at the back of your mind. But obviously... Your focus right yeah. now is very much that that five thousand and that ten thousand. Uh, you know, trying to trying yeah. to get those as best as you can. And that and that's the and that's obviously why I'm staying on the road so that I can be. Once I go to the road or on the track, once I go to the road, I want to make sure that I can be in contention to break these records, but not going off yeah. too early. Like I want to make sure I develop properly on the track, and then I can make a move and still be very good on the road. Yeah, well, I, Adrian. I mean. <clears throat> Thank you very much for that answer about, you know, ASA and yeah, it's a difficult NCAA. One. It's a difficult one, but I mean, your perspective was, was really good. I mean, you're 25 years old. That still also blows my mind. Um, so you're such a young athlete, but you, you have a really good grip on things. Um, and then just before we, you know, wrap things up here, um, I just wanted to ask, what would your advice be for any youngsters playing around with the idea of going to run in the States? Pros versus cons. Well, First of all, before you, and it's one, what, this is one of the things that I really love about the NCAA. And um, I'm not saying it's not like that in South Africa, but if it is like that in South Africa, I wish it would be even stricter. And this is academics. You can run if you get, if you, if I fail, if I, one of my classes, if I fail, and the failing grade is like less than 70%. If you get, if you get less than 70% twice in a row, you get kicked off of the team. Yeah. You get official warning, you get kicked off of the team. So you got to make sure that you pass. And so, and for me, that was a perfect setup because I always wanted to, wanted to focus on my academics. So now I am basically even forced into a higher degree to perform. So first of all, your academics has to be very important because, you know, you can be a great runner, but you can get injured right now and uh, uh, a career-threatening injury and you're all gone, you know. And so you have to, I, I don't want to say you have to fall, you want to make sure you have something to fall back on. But you want to have something that for when you have to start a family that you don't run anymore, you can start a different facet of your life and have your academics in place and 
And that's what I'm looking to do too after because I was adamant about getting my master's because when I'm done running, I want to try a different facet of my life where I, you know, do what I want to do sure. academically. So that's one of the things is definitely, you know, uh, focus on your academics, make sure it's pretty good. Uh, not just pretty good, but very good in, um, in work hard. It's like, it's such a, it's such a cliche, but it's so true. Like you just gotta have to work hard. Like, like I said earlier, um, I have all the resources in the U.S. for the most part, but I have to get up each day the same time, same as everybody else, and I still have to push my body every single day. I can have a pair of Rocket X2, I can have a pair of Nike Vaporflies, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I still have to hurt and still have to get up. That's not going to change. So you can have it all and still fail. Brilliant, man. Well, speaking of getting up, it's it's getting close to midnight, midnight for you. In so <laughs> uh, yeah. we, we hope that you still do get your eight hours of sleep after this conversation. But I, I just want to say from yeah. my side, it's it's been a fantastic pleasure just to get to chat to you, mm. to get to meet you, uh, to see you've got such a such a good head on you. Sure. I think that uh, there's, there's definitely bound to be some more South African records to get broken, perhaps your very own records to yeah. get broken. And yeah. we just, we're excited to watch on the sidelines and see this unfold. And we're rooting for you all the way, man. So just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on inspiring people around you and keep on working hard because you clearly, you clearly got the right recipe right now. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks. Thank Appreciate you so it. much, buddy. Adrian, I'll see you in Thank Budapest. You. I will bring you some cook sisters. <laughs> you let me know. Bring, bring my smarties. Smarties. <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> see you, buddy. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. We hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show. Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.